to a real familiar portion of scripture. Some of you already know this whole story by heart. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Real familiar portion of scripture. You're probably going to say now, I already know this whole story. It's about David and Goliath. But there's some things in here that um, I want to bring out tonight. And... You may have read it, you may have heard it, you may have heard all kinds of preachings, but everything that you've heard up to this time is going to be uh, pushed aside because I want to be able to share with you tonight from God's word. We're going to start reading in verse 1. You got it? Yeah. Amen. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sukkah and in Judah and Azekah in Ephes. Damon Saul encountered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's bean tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why aren't you all coming out to fight, he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Aphrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemiah, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and take these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? 
the man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is a reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Go ahead and have a seat. I know it was a long portion of scripture, and there's so much more, but I want to be able to share with you tonight from God's word concerning David and Goliath. This is a story that we've probably heard since we were kids. And we all know the end of the story, but I would like to point out some things about this story that I pray can make a difference in our lives tonight. The first thing I want to point out about this story is that, number one, there is always going to be a Goliath in your life. Always. The Bible gives us a whole lot of detail about this giant. He was a Philistine from Gath. He was nearly 10 feet tall. He was 9 foot 9. And he must have been really strong and very intimidating. His armor was made of bronze from his helmet to his legs. His coat of armor, just his coat, weighed 125 pounds. The tip of his spear weighed 15 pounds, just the tip. The Bible tells us in verse 3 that the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites occupied another hill. And in between these two hills was a big valley. And Goliath would come out two times a day, every morning and every evening, to taunt the armies of Israel. And he would challenge them every morning and every evening to come out and fight. This was a really common way for Philistines and Israelites to fight, to put one man against the other. Instead of having all the armies come, they would just put one man to see who was the winner of that two-man fight, and whoever it was, the other people would lose. Can you imagine this giant coming out in the morning and in the evening yelling with his loud voice at the Israelites? Can you imagine how it echoed in the valley? Because they were in a valley, and it would echo. Goliath does this every morning and every evening for 40 straight days, mocking God, mocking the entire army of Israel, trying to get somebody to step forward to beat him up. The obvious choice for the person to go out would have been Saul. He was the king. He should have been out there defending his army, defending the honor and the name of God, defending everything that Israel stood for. He was the king. He, the Bible talks that he was a full head taller than everybody else. He was the one. He stood out. But he didn't go out because he was just as scared as everybody else. Max Lucado writes this 
in one of his books. He says, your Goliath doesn't carry a sword or doesn't carry a shield. What your Goliath does is he waves his blades of unemployment, abandonment, sexual abuse, financial difficulties, and depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of Elah. He prances through your office. He prances through your bedroom. He prances through your classroom. He brings you bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, whiskey you can't resist, pornography you can't refuse, a career you can't escape, a past you can't shake, and a future you can't face. That is your Goliath tonight. See, this wasn't the first time that Israel had faced giants. When they had first left Israel, many, many years before, they were to, about to enter the promised land. You remember the story when there were 12 spies sent into the land of Canaan, and they came back with a report that said, there's giants in the land. We can't go in. Ten of them said, we can't do it. Compared to them, we look like grasshoppers. And so they, they didn't want to go in. But as a result of their disobedience, they wandered around for 40 years. But guess what? Those 40 years went by, and a new generation rose up. It didn't matter what had happened. Those giants still needed to be faced. They still needed to go into the Canaan. They still needed to go into the promised land. They still needed to face those giants. They couldn't roam around and roam around and God just say, okay, well, I'll just kill off the giants. No, he needed to go in and face them. You cannot run away from your giants. You cannot expect they're going to die off. You cannot expect that your giants are just going to flee from you if you don't go up and face them. We all have Goliaths in our life, and they're not going to go away. They won't always show up and identify themselves, but your Goliath is there. Your Goliath may not be temptation. Your Goliath may not be personal failure. Your Goliath may be another person who may or may not be bigger than you are. Your Goliath may be someone who intimidates you at work. It intimidates you at school. Someone who is more popular than you. Someone who's got more title than you, more authority than you. That is your Goliath tonight. It may be a financial problem in your life. It may be a health problem in your life. It may be a career problem. It may be a problem in your home with your children or your spouse. But whatever it is, it taunts you, just like Goliath taunts you. Every morning, every evening, it's out there taunting you, taunting you. You're not going to do this. Come on, come on and fight. And you're scared. And you should be the Saul that's leading your family. You should be the Saul that's out there to meet your army. But no, you're hiding because you're scared. You're not going to be able to conquer your Goliaths if you're hiding. See, you're no different than anyone else. You're no different than the armies of Israel. We have to be prepared so we won't be completely caught off guard when the Goliath rises up because I guarantee you, your Goliath will come. You have to have the attitude that says, I can do this. I can conquer 
You can't have the attitude like, why me? I have heard so many people say, why me? Why does everything happen to me? Why not? Why not? You are someone who's standing for God. Why should not things happen to you? Persecution starts in the house of God. That's where it begins. This happens to you because it happens to everyone. Guess what it's called? Life. It's life. There will always be a Goliath in your life. Secondly, there will always be boring tasks for you to do. In verse 12 through 20, there is something very, very important to remember. See, the king of Israel at this particular time was King Saul. But his heart had turned away from the Lord, and so the prophet Samuel had anointed David to be the next king. And you find that in the previous chapter in verse 16. God sent him to anoint David as a young boy. David knew that he was the future king of Israel. David knew that it was coming. He knew that he was the one who was going to be ruler over all of Israel. But yet, what was David doing? David was taking care of sheep. David was out there in the fields, in the pastures, doing what he was supposed to do and being faithful and responsible. Was he supposed to be the next king? Yeah. Was he supposed to be ruler? Yeah. But it wasn't his time. And because it wasn't his time, he stood out there in the pasture. He stood out there taking care of sheep, smelly, good-for-nothing sheep, when he was supposed to be king, but not yet. He could have had the attitude, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. All of you guys are going to be my subjects. Why should I have to take care of sheep? But he didn't do that. He knew that he was going to be the next king, but he, it didn't prevent him from doing whatever needed to be done. And then, after he's taking care of sheep, then he becomes a messenger boy. Because David's father, Jesse, tells him, get some supplies together. Load up with the roasted grain. Get some loaves. Get some cheese. And go to your brothers who were in the battle and find out how they're doing. So now we see that David's not only a shepherd, but now he's a messenger. Now he's being sent to go take people, his brothers, some food. He had been anointed king, but he still had to carry cheese to his brothers. He still had to take some bread to his brothers. Now I want to remind you that all of us are going to have to carry some cheese at some time or another. Doesn't matter what your position and what your title and I don't care how many awards you got. We all got to carry cheese at some time in our life. Doesn't doesn't matter if you're a CEO over your job. You got to carry some cheese. We may rationalize and say, "You know what? I can't be doing this. I'm I've I've already passed this." We're not past it. None of us are past it. You can't say, oh, that's beneath me to pick up that paper. That's beneath me to go clean up a bathroom. That's beneath me to help do this or help do that. It's beneath me. It's never beneath you to pick up some cheese. 
Someone else is not supposed to do what you're supposed to do. It's important that we remember we're called to bring cheese. Don't ever get so important in your own eyes that you won't do the little things. Don't ever get so important in your own eyes that you forget where you came from. You may get to be really important that others may look to you for leadership at your job. They may look to you for leadership even here in the church. And your decisions may affect a whole lot of people. But at home, you still got to change diapers. At home, you still got to take out the trash. You can't say, but I have a leadership position at work, but I'm in charge of this and I'm in charge of that. Take out the trash. Take out the trash. I don't care what you got. You know what? One of the things that I love about being around my family, my family doesn't care about my title or my position. My family is the family. Ever get around your family? They don't care what position you got. You're just, you're just part of the family. Go take care of this and go pick that up. And, and you're like, but my title, forget your title. Your family here. And family, you got you to, you know, take care of the family. You got to be able to pick up papers, change diapers, throw out the trash, do what you're supposed to do. Take your title off. We're talking about being a servant. Regardless of how far up the ladder you go, don't ever stop serving others. We have jobs to do, and it's important that we do them well and do them responsibly. Nothing should ever hinder your willingness to serve others, to do the little things, even the dirty things, even the menial things, like take cheese. That need to be done. Number three, you got to focus on what's really important. In verses 21 through 30, you got to realize that David knew what was important. And even though you know what's important, you're going to have to be flexible enough to understand if things change. Sometimes you have to be flexible enough to shift your priorities around to meet needs. See, David was sent to the battlefront to deliver food. That was his priority. That's what he was supposed to do. He was there to deliver food. But once he got to the front, he realized there was something much more important going on. Yeah, he was there to deliver food. He was there to check on his brothers. But after he greeted his brothers, he heard Goliath mocking the army of Israel. He heard Goliath mocking the God of Israel. And he looked at the brave soldiers that were supposed to be out there, and they were running away in fear. So when David started asking around, hey, what's going to happen to this Philistine? Who's, if somebody kills him, what's going to happen to them? He, first of all, he wanted to find out who was this guy? Who was this uncircumcised heathen that is getting away with taunting the armies of Israel? Who is this guy who's getting by mocking my God? Who is he? And when he found out, he got angry. But what's really interesting is that as he's listening to the taunting of Goliath, his older brother got mad at him. His older brother, in verse 28, says he was burning with anger. Now, this is his brother. This is someone who knew 
who David was. And he was angry with him. He said to David, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? He said in the, in the living translation, he goes, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You only came down here to watch the battle. The Bible says in the New uh, International that I know how proud you are. His older brother is telling him, I know you. I know your heart. You're just proud. You're just conceited. You just want to know because you want to know. Now, we know that none of his older brother's accusations were true. But I'm going to let you know something. There's going to be people out there who are going to misjudge you. There's going to be people out there who are going to question your motives. There's going to be people out there who are going to look at you and they're going to say, no, that's not right. No matter how pure or how innocent you are, they're going to misjudge you. And every time that happens, every time you get misjudged, every time you get questioned on your motives, you're going to have an opportunity to make a choice like David did. You're going to have to make a choice. Should I get upset and should I get angry at my older brother? Or should I just focus on what I'm supposed to do? For Eliab, he was angry. The issue for Eliab was just because David was there. That's what made him angry. But as I started reading about this, I started thinking Eliab, his older brother, was there when David was anointed king. He was the oldest out of all of them. And I think in Eliab's heart, he was probably thinking, I was supposed to be anointed king. I'm the oldest, not you. You're the youngest. You're the kid. You're the baby. I'm the oldest. I'm supposed to have that kingdom. I'm supposed to have that crown, not you. And there was a jealousy that was burning in his spirit. That jealousy is what caused him to turn on his own brother. See, Eliab didn't care about Goliath. He didn't care about the threat to his own country. He didn't even care that Goliath was taunting the living God. All he cared about was that David was there and he wanted to take out his anger and his bitterness on him. That's all he cared about. He wasn't even concerned what Goliath was doing or Goliath was saying. But David had a different set of priorities. He was focused on something else. Yeah, he heard his brother. Yeah, he heard that his brother was accusing him of being proud. He, he knew that his brother was misjudging him. But he chose not to get sidetracked. He chose to stay focused. He chose to focus on the important thing. And what was important was Goliath. He went right back to what he had been doing, which was trying to find information about this Philistine and what kind of battle strategy there was. He said in verse 30, he walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. He was asking questions. He got an answer. His brother came and accused him, heard his brother out and said, okay. And then he went back to asking more questions. He wasn't going to get sidetracked. How many times do people accuse you when you get all ruffled up and you lose your focus? You were going one place and all of a sudden somebody comes and says, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Oh, you're not doing it the right way. Oh, you know you want, you want pres uh, position. You want prestige. You want this. And you get all shook up and you lose your focus. You just lose it. Sometimes people are just jealous of you. 
You're going to face unjust criticism. People are always going to judge you unfairly. And every time that happens, you have a choice to make. Are you going to build your life based on the opinions and based on the criticism of others? Are you going to, or are you going to continue to do what God has called you to do? It's your choice. Are you going to focus on the petty criticism and insignificant opinions of your people, your friends, your enemies? Or are you going to focus on what's really important in your life? The fourth thing that stands out in this David and Goliath story is found in verse 32 and 40 where it, it says sometimes you're going to have to stand alone. See, David said to Saul in verse 32, he says, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. See, he already had, re had seen the reaction of the soldiers. He knew he couldn't count on the army because they were afraid of Goliath. He knew his own brothers wouldn't even follow him when he went out there to fight Goliath. He knew that they, nobody was going to be with him. The only way it could be done was that he had to do it alone. And in verse 40, we find out that's exactly what happened. David went out alone. And there's going to be times when your family and your friends are not going to understand the battles you face. They're not going to understand what you're going through. You're going through stuff in your head. and You can't even put words to what you're going through. You're just going through it. And you're going to have to stand alone. You can't get everybody on your side. You can't get everybody to feel sorry for you. You can't everybody to... Get everybody to see your point of view. David had to go out to the battle alone. People are going to try to discourage you. People are going to try to tell you, don't do it. Don't go all the way. Don't focus. Don't prioritize. Stay over here with us. That's what happens every time you hang around with the wrong people. They discourage you. There's going to be times when you're going to have to stand alone and face the challenge ahead of you. Face your Goliath face to face. You're looking for others to go out to the battle with you, but everybody else is either too preoccupied or they're too busy or they're too bored with their own life or maybe they're just afraid like the Israel army. They're just afraid. They don't want to do it. See, because fear can paralyze you and keep you from doing what needs to be done. It'll keep you from becoming what you need to become what God created you to be. It's going to require some courage. It's going to require bold courage for you to be able to say, I'm going to do this alone. I'm going to face my, I'm going to look at this Goliath in my life and I'm going to go through it and I'm going to win the battle. See, life is kind of scary and it's not a fairy tale. We don't always live happily ever after. Not everybody's going to like you. That was a really hard thing for me to accept. Not everybody's going to like me. Oh my gosh. But I want to let you know something. If you want to make a difference in this world, there's going to be have to there's going to have to be times where you're going to have to stand alone. You're going to have to stand for your convictions. You're going to have to be willing to face the Goliath. There's going, to be ha there's going to be times when you're going to have to go into battle with Goliath just because it's the right thing to do. Even when nobody else does. 
Even when you get criticized, even when some people mock you, even when some people doubt you, you have to stand. You're going to have to take a long look at the battle that you're facing and decide, is it really worth paying the price to fight this Goliath? The fifth thing that we see is that God is preparing you today for the battles of tomorrow. And this is in, found in verse 34 to 37. Saul pointed out to David certain things. He said, you know what? You're just the boy. Goliath's been fighting all his life since he was a boy. You're just a kid. He probably had a whole long list of other reasons why David shouldn't go out and fight Goliath. Goliath is trained for war. You're not. He's equipped. You're not. He's really, really big. You're not. But David interrupted Saul, and he gave him his credentials. He said, you know what? I've been busy taking care of my father's sheep. And he said, I have slain a lion. I have slain a bear. I have slain anything that has threatened the sheep that I was taking care of. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. God has been preparing me. He said in verse 36 and 37, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who de delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Who would have ever thought that the job of taking care of sheep would have equipped David for fighting Goliath? Who would have thought that he was being prepared by doing what he was supposed to do, being where he was supposed to be, and fighting the battles that he was supposed to fight, that it would have prepared him for this particular moment of fighting a Goliath in his life. But God had used every day of David's life to prepare him for this particular battle. And the battles that you're fighting today, the battles that you're fighting right now in your life, and many of you are fighting battles, those battles of today are preparing you for the battles of tomorrow. you got to get past the battle of today if you're going to be able to pass the battle of tomorrow. If you give up today, if you don't fight that Goliath today, you're not going to be around tomorrow to fight no Goliath. It's not going to happen. You have to trust in God and follow him with your total commitment. He will not leave you alone to fight your battles alone. He will not allow you to fight in your own strength when you trust in him. There are battles that he's giving you to fight for tomorrow. He's getting you ready. You think the battle you're fighting is big right now? Pfft, that ain't nothing. Wait till next month and then wait till next year. I thought the battles I fought five years ago were tough. I thought... Four years ago were tough. Three years ago, 20 years ago, I thought, man, they were tough. They get tougher, and they get tougher. But guess what? The battles that I faced five years ago, four years ago, three years ago have prepared me for the battles that I'm facing right now. And the same thing with you. God is preparing you for the battles you're going to be in tomorrow. And the battles you're going to be in tomorrow are going to be just as challenging and just as difficult. But, but today is preparing you for that tomorrow. Number six, you're an original. There's only one you. 
thank God. In verse 38 through 40, there is, this tells the story of when David wanted to go out to fight Goliath. And Saul was probably running out of excuses trying to get David to give up. But David was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight. I want to I defy this Goliath. And finally, he gave in to, to David. And he says, okay, you want to go fight him? Okay, fight him. But what the scripture tells us is that Saul tried to dress David in his armor. He tried to get David to put on his tunic, his cloak, his armor, and a bronze helmet. Now, I can understand the armor because he was going to be fighting against Goliath who had this humongous spear. But why did he have David put on his tunic? Of all of the things, why would he put his tunic? It's like a, a dress that they used to wear. Why would Saul, King Saul, give David his tunic to put? Because that tunic, that cloak, that coat was different than anybody else. He was a king. And it was different. And anybody but anybody could notice that cloak, that tunic from afar off. And it could have been that Saul was so much of a coward that he was trying to get the rest of the army to believe that it was him going out there. That men who were far away would be able to look at that tunic and go, oh, there's Saul, he's going out. If he tried to dress David like him. See, David walked around in that armor and he decided, you know what, <laughs> I can't even walk. I can't even move in this thing. And he says, you know what, I can't do this. And he decided to take it off and that his best weapon would have been what he used many, many times before, a sling. He decided to be himself. He decided that he couldn't be anybody else. He couldn't fight like Saul. He couldn't dress like Saul. He couldn't talk like Saul. He had to be himself. And because of that, he chose those five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in his pouch. And I know that we talk about a slingshot, and the slingshot that we think of today is one where we pull back and we let go. But you got to remember, elastic wasn't made back then. There was no pulling back. There was no aiming. There was no elastic. It was a piece of leather that he used. A piece of leather that was probably about this big. He put a stone right in it, and he just swung it over his head. And statistics have shown that when you've gotten used to slinging a, a sling like that, that rock could go as far and as hard as 100 miles an hour. David was used to it. He had done it before. He was himself. He didn't try to be anybody else. He didn't try to behave like anybody else or talk like anybody else because that's what worked for David. And it, it's important that you know who you are. 
Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to talk like anybody else. Don't try to act like anybody else. Don't try to sing like anybody else. Don't try to preach like anybody else. Don't try to do anything like anybody else. You are unique. You are you. Don't try to dress like anybody else. Don't try to do anything like anybody else. Be you. David did what was best for David. And in order for you to move on and become everything God wants you to be, you got to find out who you are. Don't try to be what you're not. Don't wear somebody else's tunic. Don't put somebody else's cloak on. Don't be them. Be you. The world already has one of them. We don't need anybody else like them. Only one. We only need one of you. Can't handle more than one of you. Can't, don't clone yourself. Please. There's only one of you. So my question to you is, who are you? What kind of person are you? Not who you want to be, but who are you? The next thing is, in verse 41 through 48, you can face your challenges in the strength of the Lord. The talking was over now. David and Goliath are getting closer and closer to one another. And verse 44 through 42 to 44 says that Goliath sneered in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. He says, am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. So when David responded back to Goliath, there was a difference between what Goliath said and what David said. He didn't yell back at him, well, you're a Philistine and I'm an Ishmaelite, Israelite. He didn't say, you're an experienced soldier and I'm just a shepherd boy. He didn't say you're over nine feet tall and I'm not. He didn't go at him at his level at all. And that's what we have to be careful of. When we're fighting God's battles, don't reduce yourself to somebody else's level. Whenever you, you know, somebody gets mad at you and, you know, you immediately reduce yourself to their level and you start talking to them like they're talking to you. Why? My father taught me this, and I'll never forget it. He said, you know, there's sometimes you have vulgar language that comes out of your mouth because somebody says something to you, and immediately the first words out of your mouth is a foul word or foul language. My father told me that if I ever used foul language, I lost. I lost. I lost the argument. I lost whatever point I was trying to make, I just lost. And I'm so competitive, I never wanted to lose, ever. So I never cussed, just because I didn't want to lose. It was a good tactic that he used on me. But I never wanted to lose. But now I look back and I say, you know what, that is so true, because whenever you have to resort to foul language to get your point across, you've lost. Because all it shows is your anger. All it shows is what you got in your heart because the abundance of your heart is what your mouth speaks. If you're having a problem with foul language, it's a heart problem. It's not a mind problem, it's a heart problem. You don't have enough of the word inside of you. The abundance of your heart, which means whatever is in your heart and what is spilling over, that's what comes out of your mouth. 
So whenever you're upset, whenever you're angry, whenever you're facing challenges, whatever comes out of your mouth, that's what your heart's got. What David said is that David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle. That's what David told Goliath. See, David had his sling. He was coming the, way, the only way that he knew. He had his five smooth stones. But his real strength was in the fact that David had put his faith and trust in the living God. Not in what he had. Not in what he knew he could do, but he put his faith and trust in God. You don't put your faith and trust in your own skills. You don't put your faith and trust in your own abilities. You don't put your faith and trust in what you got. You put your faith and trust in him. And this must have made Goliath angry because the next verse says that Goliath started moving towards him. And every other time Goliath started moving towards the army of Israel, they always shrunk back. But this time, the Bible says that when Goliath started moving forward, so did David. David started moving forward. And I'm sure this must have shook Goliath up because he wasn't used to somebody coming toward him. He was used to everybody backing away from him. But he ran toward him. And what do we learn from this? That when we go in the name of the Lord our God and face our Goliath and face our challenges, God will strengthen us, God will renew us, God will restore us, God will guide us, God will be our living God that we need for him to be. Because we can run into any battle with his confidence. And then the last thing in this battle of David and Goliath, is that you got to celebrate your victories that God gives you. See, the battle was over before it even had begun. The battle was already over. The minute that David went out there, the battle was over. While he was running toward him, David pulled out a stone out of his bag, and he slung it at Goliath. And it struck Goliath right between the eyes, with such force that the Bible says the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And then look at what David does next. He keeps running. He was running when he was slinging that thing. He was running toward him and he keeps on running. And he goes right up to Goliath's body and he stands on top of the body and he takes Goliath's old sword and he cuts off his head with it. Now, we may not see victory as quick as David did. Your Goliath may not fall with that first stone that you throw. That Goliath may not fall with that word that you speak. You may have to use all five stones. You may have to use five scriptures. 
You may have to convince yourself this is God's battle over and over and over again. But you have to keep slinging and slinging and slinging in the name of the Lord. Not in your strength, not in your abilities, but in the name of the Lord. You got to pay attention to that fact because it's not in our strength. It's in his strength. By the time that we get to verse 51 of that chapter, where's the giant? He's still there, but he's not nine feet tall this way. He's nine feet long this way. He's not big. He's lying down. He's dead. You're going to face challenges in your life. And when you are victorious through the strength that God provides you, you need to celebrate. You need to rejoice with every victory that God brings you. If I were to ask what things have defeated you, you probably would rattle them off. Oh, this thing, this thing got me, and this thing got me, and this thing got me. But how many victories have you celebrated over your defeats? How many victories has God given you? How many times has he given you victory over your trials? Instead of looking at the defeat, praising him. Praise him for the wonderful things that he's done, for the things that sometimes we forget. We forget that we don't do things by ourselves. We do it through him. The Lord's going to provide you exactly what you need, exactly when you need it, and exactly how you need it. It's not just specific to David. It's for everyone. You're going to be able to stand on the body of your Goliath and cut off the head and know that God has given you the victory. God has given you the victory. So what do we learn? We learn that there's always going to be a Goliath in our life. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, we're always going to face a Goliath. We learn that there's always going to be some boring, menial, cheese-taking task that we got to do. But we got to do it. We learn that we got to focus on what's really important and not get sidetracked by criticism, not get sidetracked by what other people are thinking. Next thing we learn is we have to be willing to stand alone in the battle because not everybody's going to understand what we're going through, but we got to go through it. We got to remember that God is preparing us today for the battle of tomorrow. We have to remember that there's only one us, not to be like anybody else. We have to remember that we have to face our challenges with the strength of the Lord. And lastly, we need to celebrate our victory. Stand with me tonight. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I know that there's many of you tonight who are facing a Goliath. It's your Goliath. And it may seem like it's really, really big. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to really think about this. I want you to think about that Goliath in your life. The one that just seems like it's impossible. It's standing nine foot nine in your life. And you feel like you're two feet tall. You feel like you're not going to be able to get past this Goliath. But I want to remind you that there's always going to be a Goliath in your life. And you got to learn how to fight it. And you got to learn how to battle it. 
You're going to have to learn how to remember to take cheese. Do the menial, boring, insignificant things that nobody even knows about. You can't get sidetracked. You got to focus on what you got to do. You got to be willing to stand alone. The battle that you have today may be a Goliath, but God will give you the strength to fight it. What I want to do tonight is I want to open up the altars for all of you who are having a Goliath. And it's tough. And it's difficult. And you need his strength. You need his strength. You can't do it on your own. You need what David had. And that was gumption. The courage. The courage to fight courage to endure. The battle you're facing today, he's preparing you for tomorrow. So whatever it takes.